Open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. This morning we are um, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, just how we're, how we're feeling and what, what to do when things aren't going our way. Um, maybe you can relate to that this morning. Uh, what happens when we have discomfort in our lives? I think that uh, most of us are, are struggling with that, may, maybe even right now, this idea of discomfort, the idea that uh, things aren't going as planned as part of our schedule and our idea of what life is supposed to be like. Uh, there, there's those of us who uh, struggle with discomfort, um, and maybe even it goes beyond that to true pain, uh, that you're dealing with some kind of pain in your life, uh, whether it be physical pain or even just the struggles of mental anguish and things that you're burdened with. Maybe it's health, maybe it's finances, maybe it's uh, uh, the days to come. Uh, you're feeling the pains of life. And maybe it can be even termed as you're truly right now suffering, that you are suffering right now, that you are experiencing pain, uh, that it is uh, measurable and you, you can identify it and you know where it comes from and you can't stop it, uh, the suffering of life. And as that maybe has gone on for a long period of time, uh, it can even be termed oppression. I know that word's been thrown around quite a bit in the last months. Oppression um, is the idea of suffering for a long time, that it goes on uh, for a, a long period of time, and that it marks your days. Um, that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today as believers in Jesus Christ. What do we do with discomfort, pain, suffering, and even oppression? Okay? And so as we uh, look to God's word, this is what we're doing today. If you'd stand, I would like to read to you. Uh, and if you can't stand, that's fine too. Uh, we won't think any less of you. Uh, but it's just a simple reminder uh, that the word of God is important. Uh, let, let me uh, read to you from 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Now, now who is there to harm you uh, if you are zealous for what is good? Uh, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, uh, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the ask you for a reason for the hope that is in you they do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience so that when uh, you are slandered uh, those who revile you uh, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame for it is better to suffer for doing good if uh if that should be God's will, then for doing evil. God, we ask your blessing on your word this morning, us that you would help us to gain courage from it, instruction that we would be corrected in our own hearts. God, I pray for repentance for us, uh, that we might walk more intimately with you, more faithful, obedient people to you. God, uh, do your work in your people today. Uh, draw those who don't know you to yourself, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In First Peter, um, I, I've told you this before, it's a, it's a book, uh, the section that we've gone through is a book on suffering as a believer. And um, I, I want to tell you at the outset that 
suffering, suffering, there's, there's a, a gospel that's really not a gospel. It's, it's got some error in it, a lot of error, is that if you follow after Christ, there will be no pain in your life. That's not true. That's not true. It's not what the scripture teaches. Uh, there is uh, abundant blessing that comes and abundant life that comes from knowing Jesus, but it is not without pain. And as we look at this section, uh, we're reminded over and over again that uh, there is pain in following after Jesus, but it is worth it. It is worth it. Um, and that's what we're going to see again today. Uh, we're looking at suffering. So starting in verse 13, we look at fearless suffering. God's word says this, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? <clears throat> What we're talking about is unusual suffering, unusual suffering. Um, we have many uh, law enforcement and retired law enforcement people in our church and what their job was and uh, what they were driven by was to finding the bad guys, the lawless uh, people who had uh, you know, broken the law and were uh, a menace to society and giving them a ride to a safe place for them, right? Uh, taking them to jail, taking them to jail. Uh, I, I love that picture of, you know, not everything's taken care of when you get someone off the street to take them to jail, but at least they, you know, one night they're not going to uh, be out on the streets. But that's the, that's the uh, job of law enforcement. And, and that's true in general society, too. If uh, you're uh, a good student and you're doing what you're supposed to do in class, most of the time the teachers don't pick on those who are acting out or are not acting out, right? They, if you're doing what's right, you're zealous to do what's good. If you're zealous to follow the rules, if you're zealous to honor God, for the most part, people will appreciate that you're there. They won't uh, single you out. They won't bring pain into your life. Uh, in verse 13, the idea of harming those who are doing good is something unusual. It's unusual suffering. And so uh, remember, uh, and I've shared this verse before, and I think it's an important one to remember, especially in our days of unrest. Um, in, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 6, it says this. A fool, uh, is speaking of a fool, and it says, his mouth invites a beating. That's the word of God right there, right? It invites a beating. And... Uh, when you get a beating, it's good to ask the question, did I deserve this beating? When pain, suffering, oppression even enters my life, it's good for me to ask the question, did I earn it? Did I earn this? Uh, because it's very unusual when people suffer uh, for doing what is right and are zealous for doing good. And I would say this, that this unusual suffering is really sinful suffering, right? Sinful suffering. Um, and I would even go on as we look at this next part, meaningless suffering. He goes on in verse uh, 14 to say this, that, uh, and really I'd summarize it by saying this, a small amount of unjust, happy suffering. That's what's spoken of here. In verse 14, it says, but even if you should suffer... 
not he's not saying like verse 13 and in, in, in a way even as you're doing good you might suffer or you should suffer for what is right you are blessed you're blessed and and that that word kind of stands out kind of odd to us right uh suffering that is a blessing how does that work uh you do what's good and right in the eyes of god you're righteous in his sight and you still suffer, you still suffer, and somehow that's a blessing. That doesn't make sense. It, it's, uh, it's counterintuitive. In fact, uh, as we look at life, many of us, as uh, people from the United States of America, comfort is our God. To avoid suffering is the thing that we wake up in the morning and try to do. It's, it makes our list of things to do. How can I avoid pain in my life? I want to encourage you that our greatest desire should not be to avoid suffering, but rather to avoid meaningless or sinful suffering, right? That we should ask the question, how can I uh, do what's right? And if suffering would come along with that, that's okay. It's the meaningless and sinful suffering that I don't want to be a part of. I want to uh, remind you of something. I always think it's funny. Uh, it, it, men don't think in terms like this. Uh, it, uh, multiple times. I've watched other uh, of you ladies, and, and I know that it's a, a big deal. And then the, the, the birth of the child, without talking too much about it, there are young men here that don't want to talk about it, but that fed every like two and a half minutes and something like that, you know? It's just this process over and over and over and changing and trying to get them to sleep and everyone's exhausted. And then uh, they finally learn to speak and the words they want to say aren't cute, <laughs> No, mine, you know, uh, and you know, it's so cute when a baby hits their mother, isn't it? You know, it's so cute, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And that's not even talking about the teenage and young adult years, right? And the pain goes on, right? Uh, you think about Mary, uh, what her, uh, beginning life uh, uh, what Jesus was like. From the very outset, uh, she was blessed, but she was also marked. She was marked with the shame of people thinking she was had been unfaithful. She had been immoral. And then everything that goes along with a pregnancy, everything that goes along with a birth, everything that goes along, you, you look at those early days of what Christ's life was like, and you see Jesus being on the run and his mom and dad having to shoulder that as they, and then as he grew up and even as they understood that he was who he was and what that must have been and turmoil in her own heart. And, and then to eventually go through the watching of her son being executed on a cross. But what does it say about her? She's blessed. She was blessed. The, really, the greatest blessing for any woman ever is Mary. And I, I want to point this thing out. It's that same concept. The blessing was not that there was no pain in her life. The blessing was that of Jesus 
And that's a similar thing to a lesser degree, obviously, maybe a greater degree because it's just, or, or the same degree because he's our savior. But our suffering that's connected to Jesus is a blessing because it's connected to him. It's connected to him. And so we might go through and relatively a small amount of suffering, a small amount of unjust suffering. I know that uh, we have that, that elementary school kid heart in us that says, it's not fair. It's not fair. Where can I go to the teacher to tell them that it's not fair? Um, we, we have that in our heart, but I want to tell you that it's a small amount of unjust but happy, but happy suffering that we get to go through. We are blessed because of it. It's worth it. I say this often, but as you do the math of the, the value of the suffering compared to the value of knowing Christ, the value of knowing Christ, as Philippians tells us, is far surpasses uh, what we know. It's far, it's far greater uh, than any suffering we can go on uh, that can go on down here. So uh, as, as it says in the middle of verse uh, 14, he says, do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. I just want to highlight this briefly, but uh, don't, uh, we shouldn't be a part of frightened or fearful suffering. The enemy has a desire for you. He has a desire for you. Uh, he wants you to be fearful and frightened and so shape you into something different than the Lord wants you to be. That's what pain is meant to do. Uh, that's what the enemy wants to use pain in your life for. He wants, you to, he wants to correct you or discipline you. Think about that. Um, and as we find suffering, pain, even discomfort in our lives, we need to remind ourselves uh, this is meant to shape us, not into who God wants us to be, but to cause us to quit doing and uh, being the righteous person that God desires and wants for us. So fearless suffering, which brings us to verse 15, keys to suffering. Um, boy, th this, this first one here in verse 15 um, I, I, I love it. I think it's the key to this passage. So if you have fallen asleep, um, this is your time to shine right now, okay? Um, verse 15, but in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord, as holy. Um, different translations say it'll touch differently. Uh, the idea of sanctifying Christ, um, the idea of revering Christ as Lord this is what uh, this means, this idea, is that in your heart, in your person, in your inside, in your inner man, that you have this one center, central piece that guides your every step. It's the, the place you go back to. It's the, the, uh, the foundation of who you are. And what is it? Christ as Lord. That that's uh, in among... How many of you got a bunch of crazy ideas in your heart right now? You can, I want some confessions. I want some confessions. Crazy ideas, crazy things in your heart. Some of you didn't raise your hand because you were thinking about those crazy things. That, and some of, part, of the, part of the problem is some of you don't think some of the things in your heart are crazy, and they are. That's your problem. Uh, 
You know who you are. Well, you don't know who you are. <laughs> um, we have all these ideas, all these things we cherish in our heart. Uh, you know, in Kern County and Tehachapi, uh, some of you are gun nuts. I'm not looking at anybody right now. I'm not looking at anybody. Uh, some of you love uh, politics. Uh, some of you love gardening. Some of you love uh, cars and uh, finances. And you, you have all these different things that you're super interested in. You like talking about it. Uh, you, you, uh, you know, you could teach a course, a college level. You could give a full degree, actually, on this particular subject because you know so much about it. And it's part of the thoughts of your heart, the things you think about. But what he's saying there, out of all the ideas in your heart, all the things that you cherish inside, the one that is set apart, different, foundational, number one, everything else can go, but this one, Christ as Lord. That's the, that's the, the basis for who you are. That's the, the piece that every other piece is built upon, Christ as Lord. I'm going to break that down for you. Uh, as you look at this passage, and I don't want to make too much of this. Uh, scriptures go back and forth naming who, who Jesus is, using different titles and names for him. But in this uh, passage, it uses the, the word that really the title, Christ. Christ. That word Christ is the Old Testament equivalent to Messiah. Uh, the one who is deserving, the anointed one, the one who will come to reign. That's who Jesus is. The man Jesus is the Christ, the one deserving Lord of the kingdom of your life and of my life. He's the only one. He's the only one. As you think about that, uh, think about your heart, all those thoughts that you have. Is, is he the only one, the one that's set apart from all those other ideas and thoughts? That's what he's talking about, is that you see Christ as the one piece you cannot live without. Christ as Lord. When he speaks of Lord, he speaks of the one who we go to and answer to. He's the one who gives the direction and we start to march. That in your heart, in your inner man, that this one piece is, is critical to you uh, succeeding during suffering. Christ as Lord. It'll come up over and over again. And let me give you some examples. Um, maybe you have a job and you go to work and you have a boss. It's good to have a boss. Uh, it's good even not to be the boss and the idea of you just going to your job and doing what you're told. But there might come a day and a time where your boss tells you to do something that you don't want to do or that you don't think you should do or that somehow is against the word of God. What do you do? You, you, you think in your mind, you say, what, what am I going to do? He's telling me to do something that I shouldn't do. What should I do? Well, the one piece that needs to be there on that day, it's Christ is Lord. Christ is Lord. And to see not your boss is Lord. And to go, oh yeah, he's just my boss. 
And yeah, and I should follow him. And the, the scripture even tells us some things, you know, master-slave relationship. You could even take some principles there. Yeah, even in this passage. But he's not Lord. He's not the Lord. Um, you, you think about that in this context of this passage. That's true in marriage as well. Your spouse is your spouse, but they are not your Lord in the sense of ultimate Christ, it takes that central place. Um, I want to encourage you uh, that that's true for the government as well. But the government's just the government. Uh, God puts them in place. He causes kingdom to rise and kingdoms to fall. And so we never give away this place of Lord to anyone. But in our hearts, we acknowledge or revere or sanctify, set apart Christ as Lord. I want you to know that that's a key piece to suffering because when the pain comes, uh, you don't want to be like a weather vane, right? A weather vane uh, blows whichever way the wind blows, right? And you say, well, it's just kind of blowing this way or that way today. And I guess I'll just go with the flow. I want to tell you, it's fine to go with the flow unless it uh, dis- disagrees with the desires of the Lord of your life, the Lord of your heart. It's an incredible uh, important key to you uh, following through and, and really understanding what it is and the, God's role in your suffering in your suffering. So Christ is Lord. Second part, he goes on to say, always be prepared to give an answer. <laughs> Give an answer. Uh, I want to encourage you uh, to study God's word so that you can give an answer. And the answer for the hope, we realize that what we're doing here is hoping for a better day. And when I say hoping for a better day, not like, you know, hoping the Dodgers win or something like that. It's not hoping for it not to rain or for, you know, not to be so hot or it's not hoping for things that you have no reasonable explanation for or hope for. Uh, It's the idea of understanding that it's not today, but we are trusting in God's work and his plan for future days. And so uh, we need to load up our answers that come from God's word to be knowledgeable uh, about truthful answers. I, I want to tell you that an onlooking world is wondering why we won't be pressured by pain. They're, they're wondering. Uh, they're wondering even why we're meeting out in the parking lot this morning. They say, why don't you just take a few Sundays off? Take 2020 off, you know? Why don't you enjoy? Why don't you go places and do things? Well, they're all closed too, but uh, 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 why, why don't you just, why don't you just, you know, succumb? It's, it's just easier. It's just easier. And we would respond to them and say, it might be easier, but I'd rather take the pain than lose my savior, that he is worth it to me that I, I'm looking for a better day and that I know that in the end I will not be put to shame. So know the answers, know the answers, truthful answers from God's word. Uh, he put some other things in here that are very important for us to know and it's our attitudes as we go about this. <coughs> Thank you. Um, in chapter three, 
verse 15, it says this, but in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord, as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's your attitude as you share the answers that are based upon Christ as Lord. Gentleness and respect. Don't manhandle it. Don't. That's not, that, this isn't the place for it. It's not for you to be uh, forceful, but to be gentle and respectful. Uh, we should not be the people in your face about the right answers that we have. That, that's not the attitude. It's true when you're, you're talking at Thanksgiving time with your family members who don't believe in the Savior. It's true when you're speaking with people at your work who don't agree with you. It's true when you're typing, commenting on Facebook. It's, it's true all the time that our attitude is gentleness and respect. I want to encourage you that our, our defense of the gospel is not one of force. Uh, the message can, the Lord can defend his own message. Ours is to, uh, to share it uh, and have a demeanor of gentleness and respect. And then lastly, he says this in verse uh, 16, he says, uh, keeping a clear conscience, keeping a clear conscience, uh, that our outside actions uh, don't offend our inside conscience, that we're not doing things that are, are ruining us from the inside, that we're keeping a clear conscience, not before man, but before God. And what happens really, and this is the picture, uh, Peter's going to go over this again in the, the verses to come. This clear conscience, this gentleness and respect, this truthful answer based upon Christ as Lord, um, it will kind of, it, it will give no fuel to the ones who are persecuting and causing us to suffer it says, so that those who speak maliciously against you, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It's the idea of them not having anything to make uh, a fire with. And there's the shame that comes to them when they're treating people who are honoring the Lord wrong. Which brings us to good suffering, to good suffering. Verse 17, and this kind of summarizes his points. It says this, for it is better, if it's God's will, to suffer for doing good than doing evil. It's better. It's better. There's a better way. Uh, it's helpful for you. I, I think so often um, uh, the pain that comes to our lives and we get frustrated and we sit down and we're uh, bemoaning and feeling sorry for ourselves and even crying. Is, Why is life like that? Because we're doing it wrong. Because we're doing it wrong. And there's a better way uh, for the life of the believer. What is it? It's, the better way is to honor the Lord, to be righteous. It's better. And it says if it's God's will. Boy, that's a tough one. He's going to come back to this idea too. That um, sometimes we like to think that the enemy sets up all the bad things of life. The enemy's doing all these bad things and it's always hurtful to us. And, and, and God doesn't want a, his children to ever have pain in their life. Look at this verse 17 again. Read it. 
Go over it. If you didn't get it the first time, read it 10 more times, right? If you suffer according to God's will, look at that. Let that sink in. That when pain enters your life, that your day is filled with pain, that you know as God's child that he is working out his plan and that somehow today is part of his will for you. And so if you suffer according to God's will, that's better for you. Better than what? Than doing evil. Than doing evil. Once again, this training aspect of it, right? The enemy wants to use your pain uh, to train you to stop. But the Lord, as part of his plan, wants you to persevere in that pain and realize that that's better for you. It's better for you to continue on. Three things as we close today. When you suffer, some questions for you to ask. The first one is this. Do I deserve it? Do I deserve it? Is there something that I'm doing or have done that is appropriate that I brought pain into my life? Do I deserve it? Secondly, as you look at what, what is the Lord's will? What is the Lord's will for me right now? What is going on in my day? What is he working out? How is he working in my situation? And as you understand that, uh, you follow along with him. You learn the lessons that he desires for the day. And lastly, um, and I'd say it this way, keep it simple, but uh, what does he alone want me to do? What does he alone want me to do? Uh, Many times when we come into a difficult situation, we look to our spouse and we say, what do you want me to do? I just want to get over this, so what do you want me to do? If I just do what you tell me to do, this pain will leave my life. I want to tell you that's a bad way to do things. And you say, wait a minute. It is. It's a bad way to do things. If you have Christ as your Lord, you better be careful on what position you place your spouse in. So some of us do this thing where we ask our spouse, and if we don't get the right answer there, we start going to other people, right? What do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? What do you think? And you're taking a poll. You're taking a poll. Or you're looking to uh, get a contingent that would back you up in this already thoughts. That, and, and you're looking for people, and, and you just keep going to more people. You keep going and getting more opinions about what you should and shouldn't do. You keep going and going and going. And what you're doing is you're saying, I don't want, you know, and what you're really doing is you're complicating your life. Complicating. There is, you should go to godly, wise counselors but only in the sense that they are godly, wise counselors, that they will point you back to. A great counselor, this is someone that you should go to over and over again. What do you think God wants you to do? Hey, that's a good question. Let's talk about that one. What do you think God's doing in your life? I want to encourage you to keep your life simple and be seeking to answer the question, what does God want me to do? What would Christ have for his servant? 
the follower of Jesus, what would Jesus want me to do? To, to work on that singular answer for yourself and then proceed in faith, in persevering faith, knowing that suffering might come in that, but know that you can continue on uh, because this is the life that he's called us to. This is the life he has saved us for and it's worth it. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of your word. May we hear the words of courage for us here today and may we walk faithfully with you. God, do your work and your people. Thank you for each one here. Ask that you would bless them as they go today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.